message. You must say that our church is responsive to the uh, uh, requirements and the needs and the questions of our uh, congregation. So uh, for our first message, we're going to have Mr. Gregory uh, open up another letter to CGOM and answer some of the questions that are there. Mr. Gregory. First, I'd like to say something personal. Uh, my wife, uh, Janice, had her knee surgery this week and uh, Tuesday, and she's home now, and Debbie is uh, there watching her and taking care of her today. Uh, I told her she doesn't have to call me Mr. Gregory anymore. She can call me Dr. Gregory. <laughs> and uh, I got the same response from her that I'm getting from you. <laughs> So uh, you don't have to call me that. Uh, I was just joking. Uh, uh, being a 24-hour nurse uh, with somebody that's had uh, knee surgery, I can believe you understand what we're going through. And uh, so uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, uh, I have uh, uh, Richard has uh, requested that I handle the uh, mail that comes in to CGOM, and uh, we received another letter, two-page letter. I'm not going to identify the person sending it uh, in, uh, but some are questions and some are comments that need some uh, uh, answers. Uh, so I'll uh, just, rather than saying uh, it, I'll say he. Uh, so uh, don't want to say she to pick on the ladies, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, the first comment uh, question is uh, found in Genesis, the 15th chapter, and uh, verse 6. It says, and he that's talking about Abraham, Abram, uh, believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And then I want to skip over to Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, and uh, read there. The, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Okay, several things from this uh, verse. We see that Abraham is about ten years older than uh, Sarah. And uh, God had told him that uh, Sarah was going to give him a child. Now, before... Uh, when he was 86, about 13 years before, God appeared to them and uh, Ishmael was born because uh, Sarah gave uh, Hagar into Abraham. Now, Matthew uh, covered some of this last week, but I want us to uh, focus here on a couple of things. And uh, then uh, Sarah, uh, in, verse, uh, in chapter 18, verse uh, 12, then Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Where did, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I be of surety uh, bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At one time uh, appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. 
And Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not. For she was afraid and said, nay. But uh, God said, nay, but you did laugh. And so, uh, now, first thing uh, we know from Hebrew that there's a couple of uh, possibilities from the word laugh. One is rejoicing or joy, and Abraham rejoiced or had joy that he was going to have another son by uh, Sarah, his beloved wife, who had been, had been married to for many, many years. And uh, Sarah, when she heard, overheard God's promise that she was going to have a child, uh, she laughed, and that was a laughter of scorn or of skepticism. And uh, so God knew the difference between those two laughs. Uh, Abraham rejoiced. He had joy that God was going to give him a son in his old age. And uh, Sarah uh, laughed, and uh, uh, she kind of snickered, uh, scorned and snickered at what she had heard. But uh, God said, you know, I'm able to do all of this. Now, uh, I want to cover another thing here that uh, Matthew touched on briefly last week. But uh, while Sarah and Abraham are there in the tent, they were visited by three, and the scripture says three men. But one was God and one was two angels. And then we see in Genesis, uh, the 19th chapter, verse 1, that those two angels came to God. Well, after God had negotiated with Abraham and uh, from 50 on down to 10, then he was going to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. He wasn't going to destroy it. But Matthew covered this last week, and he showed that there wasn't 10 righteous people in the Sodom and Gomorrah, so God destroyed, but he sent those two angels that were with Abraham. So it's a little confusing, but when you read chapter 18, you see those three men that come, one of them was the Lord. And uh, he talked with uh, Abraham, and uh, uh, then those two angels that were with him left. When Abraham left off, and God left them, and uh, then he went to come to, uh, those two angels came to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, where they found Lot. And then the, you know the story there. And uh, now, there's another question here that... Um, uh, we have here is, uh, and, and I'm going to uh, just refer, to, if I can here, uh, if Jesus, who led the children of Israel, uh, it was his first coming on earth, then later as incarnated in flesh, the second coming, how then can we say it's going to be his second coming or return as King of kings and Lord of lords? Since we believe it is, of course, the return, isn't it true that it was an angel who led and brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? So we have a couple of questions going on here. One is uh, the uh, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and remember he said in John that uh, you've not seen God's shape or heard his voice at any time. He was the creator. He was the Lord. He was the one that revealed himself as Jesus uh, temporarily uh, as a man sometimes, as the Lord sometimes. Uh, and uh, sometimes he sent an angel uh, to uh, lead the children of Israel. That's another question there. And then sometimes uh, he sent Moses. So there were three people involved in bringing Israel out of Egypt. Uh, one was uh, the Lord, uh, 
Jesus Christ, who became the Lord. One was Moses, and then one was uh, an angel. And there are many, many scriptures and many verses uh, that you can go through and search this out on your own. I'm not going to take the time to read a lot of verses here uh, in uh, this uh, explanation here, but basically you can um, read uh, in Deuteronomy and uh, 8 verse 2, Numbers 20, 16, Acts 7, 35, where it talks about Moses brought them out. And uh, all of these, God or the Lord Jesus Christ, an angel, and Moses were responsible, all three of those, in bringing Israel out of Egypt. Now, uh, Jesus said, you've not seen his shape or uh, heard his voice in the past. So he is the one, he is the creator, he is the logos, he is the word. There are many scriptures and many uh, chapters that show that Jesus was the one. The Father was in the background. The God, the Father was there. But Jesus was the spokesman. He was the logos. He was the word. He was the one that talked and revealed himself sometimes. Now, uh, when he came of the uh, Virgin Mary and was born and became a human being, then he lived uh, and dwelt on the earth. When he comes back after his death, burial, and resurrection, when he returns during that millennium and the great white throne of judgment, he's going to dwell on the earth. He's going to be on the earth. So, just to say that, well, uh, when he appealed in the, uh, to Israel in, in the scriptures in the Old Testament, uh, sometimes he was God, sometimes by an angel, sometimes he, uh, and, and you know, we uh, liken uh, a man to God. When we say, the minister told me to do this, we think it's God talking to us, or we ask God, Watch over our children, send an angel, a guardian angel, to guide and direct and protect them. And so we look for an angel to protect, although we attribute it to God, to his overall. And so when we hear a speaker explaining, and this is why we have to be very careful not to be led astray or not to be deceived or, or uh, erroneous, and it's all right to ask some questions and test. If somebody comes and says, you know, I'm representing God, then it's okay to ask a few questions and test that person. Are they telling the truth or are they lying? If they're lying, they're a lying false prophet. If they're telling the truth, then they're a truthful representative of God. So all of those uh, sometimes uh, we uh, go through. Now, there's another question that he has here. And uh, let's see here uh, if I can read this uh, because he has... Uh, this person, the writer, has some questions and comments, kind of. Uh, Jacob wrestles with God, Genesis 32, 28. How can a man wrestle with God and live? Exodus uh, says, Scripture says, Jesus left his glory during the incarnation only and not before. Then how can people see a glorified Jesus and live? Uh, Judges 13, 14 says, an angel appeared to Manoah and his wife, but later uh, he says, we shall die because we have seen God. Both Manoah and Jacob say they have seen God, but actually they haven't. Scripture proved with the related sentences that they were angels. And so uh, 
there's a, a lot of confusion about that. So let's go back to uh, Genesis, the 32nd chapter. A lot of this is in the book of Genesis. Genesis, 32nd chapter, verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince have you power with God and with men, and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray you, your name. And he said, Why is it that you do not, that you just ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And so God wrestled. So how can a man, uh, you know, as parents, sometimes we wrestle with our kids. We hold back in strength. We let them win sometimes, and sometimes we beat them up. <laughs> Not physically beat them up, but, you know, we win. And uh, so that's the way God does. Sometimes he can hold back his strength and let us win. And uh, up to a point, you know, when we get into a verbal argument with God, God then uh, said, you know, why are you asking my name, seeing that it's uh, precious and special? And so he revealed a later to uh, Abraham uh, his name. Okay, uh, let's see. There's a couple of more questions here about, um, let's see, uh, about the church's belief. One of them believes Pentecost should be on Sunday, and one of the churches, uh, some of the churches believe it should be on Sunday. And uh, when I was earlier in the Worldwide Church of God for many years, we observed Pentecost on a Monday. And then Herbert Armstrong found out he was counting it wrong uh, through the help of uh, Dr. Hay, who was a, at that time an ambassador uh, college student. And uh, then the Worldwide Church of God switched to Sunday. And so... Uh, part of that was uh, back in Leviticus uh, 23rd chapter, and I won't go there, but you can read and understand that Herbert Armstrong used to say that the scripture that says that uh, 49 days from the Sabbath and then from, and he interpreted from as, as being from Sunday, counting a way out of Sunday, and then 50 days would bring us to Monday. But uh, the scriptures, the following verse, I think is verse 16, says that uh, seven Sabbaths shall be complete 50 days after the seventh Sabbath. So that means the 50th day would be on Sunday. So some of us switched to uh, Sunday, and Herbert Armstrong uh, acknowledged that he had made a mistake in miscounting, and for many years he began to to keep Sunday as the day of Pentecost. But some still hold to Monday Pentecost. Now, there's another uh, question in this uh, letter here. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that the 
Radio Church of God became the Worldwide Church of God, then Grace Communication, and then to the Church of God International. Many churches formed from there and later. A few returned to CGI, but majority remain as independent. Why so many name changes? Well, uh, I don't remember between uh, Worldwide because I personally I went from Worldwide Church into Church of God International, but there's Grace Communication I'm not sure about. But uh, basically, and he says uh, somewhere else in his letter about uh, why did the churches identify themselves as uh, like the Tulsa Church of God. We say this because of location, because of, uh, th there's a lot of confusion in the churches of God. Some say Sabbatarian Church of God, and people wonder who, who is that, where are they? But if you say the Springfield Church of God, you know it's talking about Springfield, Missouri. Or if you say Tulsa Church of God, you know it's talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, so sometimes uh, there's a little confusion in the name of the churches, but uh, basically that will help us understand why. And this is a scripture uh, Jesus had even uh, identified in Revelation. He talks about the Church of God of Ephesus, uh, the Church of God in Pergamos, the Church of God of Thyatira, the Church of God of Philadelphia. And so showing that the place or the location sometimes enters into the name of the choice of the person who we chose the Tulsa Church of God to identify ourselves as Tulsa, Oklahoma, and as a church of God still believing and supporting the Church of God outreach all over the world. Now, Church of God Outreach Ministry, CGOM, is an independent group of congregations, groups, individuals, persons from different churches, different branches that have different names or individuals that aren't associated with the Church of God, but they associate with the Church of God Outreach Ministries. So this person here is from um, India and uh, is writing this letter wanting uh, uh, some information, and it's two pages, and sometimes it's rather confusing because Sometimes it's comments, uh, sometimes it's questions, very clear, and I've tried to uh, sort through some of those things that will maybe help us a little bit uh, as we study the scriptures and uh, as we will uh, uh, be able to work our way through some of those uh, difficult verses. Okay, that's what I want to share with us today.